John, we're in 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5, and we'll go into the first two verses of chapter 2. And this is God's word to you because you are his children. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children... I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we thank you that you are light, you are purity and clarity, and truth, and goodness, and wisdom. You are love, and kindness, and justice. You are all good things. As we stand in your light, our many warts, our many flaws, our many sins are exposed. We ask that your light would draw us, and not repel us, because of our Savior, Jesus. I pray for for us here that... um, the gospel would work in our hearts and uh, draw us to the kindness that you've shown us in Jesus, that he has cleansed us from all, all sin. And I pray now that you would open the eyes of the blind and, uh, and the ears of the deaf, and that you would take your holy word and speak through me, a sinner, and apply your perfect word through an imperfect teacher and uh, communicate to your people. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. So uh, last week, well, we started this series and we ha- uh, had a sermon on, the, on intimacy with God, on uh, how do we be close to God, and, uh, and being close to God also results in being close to one another, and we're kind of this week expanding on that idea that part of the way that we have intimacy with God, actually an intimacy with each other, is through confession, is through saying out loud concretely these are my flaws, these are my sins, these are the things that I'm ashamed of, and letting other people see them and know them. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, I've been church planting for a few years now, been in Bellingham trying to get a church started, and I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people and they say the number one thing that they're longing for in a church is that the church would be real. And that people would talk about who they really are, and you don't put on a mask, and it's not just a show where the kind of the uh, righteous, good people kind of come together, and they hide all the things that are happening in their life. But that people would be real with one another, and uh, they're uh, longing for a community like that, as, as if it's the most important thing they're hoping for. And um, it's interesting, though, that as much as we crave that, as much as we long for it, you'd think that every church everywhere would just be a church where people are open and share who they are and they'd uh, forgive each other's sins and they could see each other's flaws and grow together. Apparently it's very rare. And actually, I mean, our church, you know, we're somewhere between zero and 100% effective in (laughs) 
being open and honest and, and uh, transparent with one another. You know, some people tell me this is a very, uh, one of the first churches where they feel like they can be themselves and they experience God grace, other, God's grace. Others told me that they, they f- still feel the distance. They still feel that there's kind of a, a, a plastic uh, relationship, superficial relationships we have with one another. And um, why can't we do it? That's what we all want, is we want to be close to one another. We want to know who we really are. Why is it so hard to do it? And I think there's a number of reasons for that. Um, but I think one of the deepest is that when we become Christians, we are hoping that it means we're going to be good people. We want to be good. And what I want to do is I'm going to have a new life, and my new life is going to be I'm going to now be a good person. I'm not going to be a bad person anymore. I'm going to be a good person, and I'm going to have a bunch of good friends. And that's what the church is. It's going to be a bunch of good friends where we're all good to one another. And uh, it's a community of the righteous and being good. And what we do is we create a wish dream, a fantasy world of what this community is. This is the community of the pure, the people that God loves, the righteous, the people who do what God loves. And we're not part of that wicked world out there where everyone's disobeying what God says. And we're creating this fantasy. And what we don't realize is that that wish dream, that fantasy community, is the very thing that destroys true relationships, true community, true transparency, true authenticity with one another. And so what we have here, here we are at the beginning of the book of John, of letter of 1 John. And this letter is a lot about community, about loving each other. You know, one of his big messages is going to be, uh, we love one another because he first loved loved us. God is love. You should love each other. It's going to be the big message. And here at the beginning, he wants to destroy our wish dreams and our fantasies of what kind of community this is. Look at that there in verse 8. If This is the very beginning of the letter. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. I can't imagine a stronger statement than that. If you pretend that you don't have sin in your life, you are deceived. We're deceived. We're a deceived community if we believe that about each other and about ourselves. And then the truth of the gospel isn't present if that's what you're believing. But instead, he says this amazing statement, this famous statement from 1 John in verse 9, where he says, if we confess our sins, if we make them known, if we say them to one another, if we expose them, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, uh, what John is going to tell us here is that if we want true fellowship, it's going to. This is what it's, this is the path. This is what it's going to look like. Is somehow us making known to God and, and really to each other. These are my warts. These are my flaws. These are my fa- these are my faults. These are my shortcomings. These are the things uh, that I should be ashamed of. And letting each other into one, in, in on those things. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to go through this passage and talk a little bit about confession. How important it is, how vital it is for the health of a, of a spiritual life as an individual and for a community. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to say three things about confession. First of all, that confession is exposure. Confession is about being exposed. It's about being made naked, being... <laughs> Seeing what's hidden, okay? So confession is about exposure. Second, confession leads to true fellowship. And third, that confession is how we change. 
And, um, you know, I, this, this passage actually is, if, if you've heard me talk about our home groups, this is a passage that I, I've gone to over and over again. Maybe you've heard me talk about it, that this is one of my key passages of, and a vision for what's happening in, as we, uh, you know, throughout the week go into little groups uh, around the county and meet in more intimate settings, that hopefully that would be a place where this could happen because there's not a lot of opportunity here on Sunday morning to say, oh yeah, by the way, uh, this is something that's terrible that I'm doing and you know it's embarrassing. And there's not a lot of opportunity to do that over donuts and coffee right after you know when you're hearing about your week. So home groups, that, that's a big hope for that. So, so uh, this is an important passage in the vision of our church. So three things. And the first is that confession is about exposure. Confession is exposure. Now, you see that uh, in this passage, the image of light appears a number of times. Look at, look at verse 5 again. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins, from all sin. Now, uh, when I first became a Christian, uh, my understanding of what does it mean to walk in the light, there was, there was a Christian song that this is maybe 10 or 15 years ago, I don't know, it was one of the first Christian songs I ever heard when I became a Christian. It's, it's about, I want to be in the light because you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heaven. I don't know if any of you know this. I want to shine, you know, oh Lord, be my light and be my salvation. You know? uh, and the picture there is that to be in the light means to shine like the stars in the heaven. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be radiant. I'm going to come into God's light, and my life is going to shine, and people are going to be, I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to love people. I'm going to be outgoing. I'm going to have this attractive life that people want to come to. I was like, yeah, I want to be in the light. And, uh, you know, that's exciting, right? And to some regard, that is true in the Bible that light means that. You know, Jesus says, let your, let your light shine before men that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And, you know, light is a picture of, of a good life. Psalm 119, you know, uh, your word is a lamp unto my feet. It shows me how to live. But John, John has a different view in this passage of uh, what light is doing because it's interesting. Um, for John, what is the opposite of walking in the light? What does it mean to walk in the darkness? For John, to walk in the darkness means to say I don't have sin. And so what that means for John, walking in the light isn't about, it, it maybe eventually it's about shining like the stars in the heaven, but the first thing is to be in the light means to be exposed. And that the light shines into the hidden secret chambers of our life that no one knows about. And, uh, and so when we say we don't have sin and we're trying to hide our sin, he says, you're deceiving yourself, we're not letting the light in. And so when we approach God and we approach what God is like, the most devastating thing that we see is that we're not like him. And it shows us all of our flaws and that that's the first, um, that the first thing of being in the light is, is to be exposed. Um, and I think that this is an understanding of light that's far more ominous, frightening, that we want to run away from. You know, that, that first picture of the light is something I want to run to. It feels warm. It feels like it's uh, warming my soul. This other one, I'm... Stepping away from, you know, actually, I, I remember, maybe I shouldn't share this for the young people here, but when I was, a, a, I was probably 11, um, one, I had a group of friends over spending the night, and we snuck out of our house, and uh, we were up to mischief 
that uh, we shouldn't be doing. And I, I was terrified. This is the first time I'd ever done anything like this. And I was, I was only two doors down from my house, but I felt like I was in another world. And, any, you know, there were policemen around every corner, I'm sure. And, uh, and as I was walking around up to this mischief in the dark, I didn't want to be on the street, so um, I was going to cut through a neighbor's yard. And as I was tiptoeing through, my heart's pounding, all of a sudden a motion sensor was on this house. And this was the brightest light I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it must have just football field of light. And there I am standing by myself. My friends aren't there. I don't know where they are. And, you know, what did I do? When the light was exposing me, did I say, oh, good, a light. Show me my path. Show me how to walk, how to get to my mischief I'm up to. No, my heart stopped. And the first thing I did is I bolted. I ran. And I, I, I should share this. This is funny. That, uh, the next morning, my parents asked me, they said, hey, uh, were you out last night? No, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and they say, are you sure about that? Are you sure you didn't go out any windows last night? No, no, I was in bed. I was out. And they bring me into the room that I had gone out of, and there were these mud footprints coming off the wooden windowsill along a little path going out. And so here's two things. What do I want to do to light? What do I want to do with light? I want to run from it, and I want to lie. I don't want to be exposed. And I think that the reality of, of, of who we are is that we don't want to step into the light because it exposes who we are, really are. And what we do instead is we say, you know what, I don't, want to let, I don't want to let anyone know about the struggles that I'm having in my heart, the sins, the things that I'm ashamed of. I want to manage them. Instead of letting them be exposed, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of them. I, this is probably not the big, the big a deal, the sin that I'm wrestling with. I can probably get a hold of it. I can probably control it. And that's exactly what sin wants you to do. Sin does not want to be exposed. It wants you to uh, isolate yourself and to say that I can manage it. And any time we say that we can manage our sin, that will be the result, is that we'll isolate ourselves. And um, I, I've printed for you on page three of your bulletin a, a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book called Life Together. And in the last chapter is a, is a chapter on confession and community. And I was tempted to just read the chapter to you because it's so good, but I'm going to quote it a couple times. Um, but this is what he says. In confession... The breakthrough to community takes place. Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous is his isolation. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. In the darkness of the unexpressed, it poisons the whole being of a person. This can happen even in the midst of a pious community. I'm going to read that again. This can happen even in the midst of a pious community. In confession, the light of the gospel breaks into the darkness and seclusion of the heart. The sin must be brought into the light. The unexpressed must be openly spoken and acknowledged. All that is secret and hidden is made manifest. It is a hard struggle until the sin is openly admitted, but God breaks gates of brass and bars of iron. Every line of that we could meditate on and apply to our own lives. But what Bonhoeffer says is that uh, hiding sin, keeping it to ourselves, saying we can manage it, 
isolates us. And so the other side of that is that if we confess our sins, we make it known to others, it actually draws us close to each other. And that's the second thing we're going to say about confession is that not just the confession is about exposure. It's about letting light in and saying what is really happening. It's not keeping it hidden, but announcing it. But second, confession leads to true fellowship. And um, I'll probably spend the most time on this one. Uh, I think this is a terribly important. Look at, look at verse 6 again. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, on the one hand, uh, John seems to say, you know, if we think that we're, we're having fellowship with God and yet we keep our sin hidden, we don't confess our sins to one another. Uh, you know, it's interesting. He actually doesn't say that, you know, you don't have fellowship with God. He says you're not practicing the truth. You're not enjoying the truth of the gospel. You know, it's possible to actually be saved and to be right with God, but actually not enjoy that salvation, that being right with God. We cannot enjoy it. That if we're in the darkness, we're not enjoying that fellowship with him. And so what you'd expect him to say is that if we, you know, if we walk in the light, then we will have fellowship with God. But that's not what he says. Look at what he says in verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. What he's saying is the key to what our hope for, that people would really know us, that we would know each other, that we'd have a transparent, real community where we can be honest with one another, and that people really, you know, we really love each other on a deep, not a superficial level. He says the way to that is by living in the exposure of the light, of confessing our sin and making it known to one another. And I think most of you know that, right? I mean, how many of you have had someone that... You see a church, and you have your donut, and you talk, how's your week, how's work? And then in some other setting, maybe you guys get to, you get, you get a coffee or get a beer, have dinner together, and you're in a more uh, one-on-one setting, and some of your life gets, is made known to each other about who you really are. And before, you were like, yeah, that guy, he's a good guy. Yeah, he seems like an all right chap, you know? I like seeing him at church and stuff like that. But then after you have that deep heart-to-heart about who you really are, and you share your sin with one another, you say, I love that guy. Man, we just, had, we just connected, and there's so much to him. He's not a two-dimensional plastic person at church. There's depth and richness to him. And uh, that's what John is saying, is that we want to have fellowship with one another. We need to walk in the light, in the exposure of the light. And um, an integral part of becoming the community we long for is through honest confession, being exposed to one another. And, uh, you know, it's interesting... It's, it's very hard to do. I think part of the reason it doesn't happen is we don't want to do that. We don't want to share with one another. And, you know, it's kind of strange. Why is that? Why is it that we're happy to confess our sins to God? God is the almighty, holy, uh, you know, dwells in inapproachable light, sinless creator of the world. And we're much more likely to confess to God in our prayers than we are to actually go to another person who's a sinner and like us, you'd think that that'd be easier to confess to them. They can understand where we're coming from, but we're very much slower to do that. Why is that? And I think part of the reason is because when we're actually confessing to God, we're, we're not actually confessing to God, we're confessing to ourselves. And we're trying to forgive ourselves. And actually, when we uh, confess to another person, what we're doing is we're giving them the opportunity to be Christ to us. 
And, you know, it's not guaranteed that in your prayer life to confess that you're really speaking to another, that you're really dealing with God. But if you, deal, if you tell another person, listen, I talked to my wife this way. Listen, I, I lusted in this way. Uh, you're actually having someone, an objective other, who can behold your sin and hold it in their hands and say to you, I still love you. I'm sorry, you're forgiven. God forgives you. Jesus has paid for all your sin. And let me ask you, is there, can you imagine a closer fellowship, closer community than that, for one person to expose themselves and another person to administer the gospel and say you're still loved? Jesus has paid it for you. And, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you, I, I don't think it's necessarily easy to hear someone else's sin. Because sin, you know, when you hear about someone's struggles in their life, you know, maybe they've had a hard upbringing or they've had a tragedy happen in their life, you know, we sympathize with one another. But when you hear true sin, sin doesn't make sense. Sin is offensive. You know, I actually just recently, I was having a conversation with a guy who, he's not a Christian, he's kind of a family friend, and I was talking to him, uh, and he was telling me how he didn't believe in sin, that sin really exists. I was like, well, you know, you, Hitler, don't you think that was sin, him killing all those people? He's like, yeah, but that's just some people. Most of us, we don't have sin in our lives. And so, you know, I told him, I said, well, you know, just this week, I'm, uh, Shannon and I have had a very hard week this week. And um, it's really, we're dealing with the fact that, um, you know, my wife, she has five kids uh, that she's, she's homeschooling one of them. She's with them all day. She pours into them. She takes care of our house. She's a pastor's wife. And I, I don't really acknowledge those things, and I'm far more critical of her than acknowledging these, uh, the ways she's loving me, the way she's being faithful. I say far more about her faults than about the way she's being faithful and encouraging her. And, you know, I'm talking to this guy, and I, I'm saying, listen, is that sin? <laughs> what do you think of that? And actually, he's a family friend of Shannon's. He's known her since she's this old, and he's like, stop that. Why are you doing that? Like... What do you, you know, and he's getting kind of mad at me. He's like, this is a girl that I, uh, that I, I love. I've known her since you a little kid. Why are you doing that, you punk, you know, godless pastor? And uh, you know what? It didn't warm him up to me <laughs> to hear about my sin because sin is offensive. Sin is ugly. And sin does not make sense. And you say, why are you doing that? It doesn't make sense. Sin is, is an absence of God, and things that make sense have to do with God. And... Uh, and that's why um, I think in some degree, confession is most powerful with a fellow Christian. Because what this community is right here is this is a community of sinners who've been saved by grace. And if we all understand that, that I, my heart does things that I do not understand. I don't even want to do them. It just comes out and it's just pouring out of me. Then you can actually hear that and say, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm that same way. And that we can minister to one another. And it's only when we recognize each other as that kind of community that we are a community of sinners who are saved by sheer grace that we will actually do that. And we can actually be Christ to one another. And um, I, I need to read another quote from Bonhoeffer here that is just amazing. Uh, this is from the same book. This is what Bonhoeffer says. The final breakthrough to fellowship does not occur because though they have fellowship with one another as believers and as devout people, they do not have fellowship as the undevout and as sinners. Listen to this line. The pious fellowship allows no one to be a sinner. 
The pious fellowship allows no one to be a sinner. So everybody must conceal his sin from himself and from the fellowship. We dare not be sinners. Many Christians are unthinkably horrified when a real sinner is suddenly discovered among the righteous. So we remain alone with our sin, living in lies and hypocrisy. The fact is that we are sinners. Confessing our faults to one another and knowing that that's the community that we are, that we're the community of the gospel of sinners who've come to Christ. And the other thing to understand, though, about why uh, the uh, confession leads to true community is because confession also maintains true community. It's the thing that keeps us together. It's not the only thing that that forms our community, but it's the thing that keeps us together because since we're sinners, we're going to wrong each other. Listen, if you're new to this church and you got a hope that, wow, this is going to be a great community, and I I hope this community is. I hope you feel loved here. I hope you feel embraced. But you're going to be wronged also. And as we wrong one another, the way that we maintain uh, fellowship is through confessing to one another. And I just want to say a couple things about what a confession looks like. Okay, first of all, a confession is two things. A confession is specific, and a confession is repentant. Confession is specific, and it's repentant. First of all, it's specific. A true confession is not vague, okay? So, you know, if, if, if I'm trying to confess to you that I'm being, you know, I'm tearing down Shannon and being critical of her, if I say, oh, yeah, we're kind of, Shannon, I've been having some struggles, or, or if I say to Shannon, you know, I'm, wow, you're upset about that? I'm sorry about the misunderstanding, you know? Sorry about the misunderstanding is not a confession. <laughs> I'm saying I'm sorry that you're struggling. I'm not saying anything about me, right? Um, a true confession is concrete and specific. I'm sorry that I'm, I've been critical of you. I've, uh, I have all these expectations that I'm supposed to be a certain way as a pastor, and when I don't live up to them, I tear you down so that I can feel more justified and feel better about myself, and I take it out on you. And you, there are all kinds of things that I should be acknowledging about you that you do well, and uh, I haven't done that, and it was wrong. And I'm sorry. A true confession should land with I'm wrong. It should not say I'm sorry about the situation. What I did was wrong. And that's what it should look like. That's a true confession. It must be specific. And, you know, if you're struggling with r- lust, it can't be I'm struggling with lust. What ex- how did you act out? What were you doing? What thoughts? What happened? Specific, because the more specific you're being, the more you're bringing light, the more you're exposing. And we're going to get to why there's hope in that just in a second, but uh, that's what a true confession is. But I also think that a true confession is repentant. And I think it looks like, uh, you know, Jesus says that uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And A true confession comes with a resolution that I'm going to seek righteousness. I'm going to change. And uh, you might say, how are you, you know, how are you going to say that? You just said we're all sinners. How am I going to make a vow like that, a resolution that this is not going to be the same? How could I ever do that? Well, this leads to a third thing about confession. Um, This is an important point that, first of all, confession is about exposure. Second, confession leads to true fellowship. It's the path for us to be a true community, but third, confession is actually how we change. It's the means that God's given us for our lives to transform. And you see this here in verse 1, where uh, of chapter 2, verse 1, where it says, John says, my little children, 
I love that phrase, right? He's talking to his church, his, his people in his church, my little children, I love you. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So his hope is that there is, you know, uh, you know on the one hand, he says in chapter 1, if you say that you have no sin, then you're, you're deceiving yourself. But he also says, my hope for you is that you be free from sin. And um, the way to that freedom, though, this is a key point. The way to freedom, the way for our lives to transform as Christians is not from us saying, my resolution. It's not from my resolution. It's not from me saying I'm going to be better. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to, um, you know, my nature is, sin's just pouring out of me. I'm going to, the critical button, I'm going to turn it to off. And now the critical button will be on off and it won't happen anymore. That's not how it works. He gives us two things here of how confession changes us. Two, two ways. First, through a promise. And second, through propitiation. Propitiation, good word. Kids who are taking notes, we'll check your spelling after. Promise and propitiation first. Change comes through a promise. And this is uh, verse 9. If there's a verse to memorize from 1 John, here's one of them. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why should I say to Shannon, not only that I'm confessing that it's wrong, but it's going to change, is because God has given me his word that if I confess my sin, he will wash me. He will change me. And it's not because I trust in myself. It's not because I trust that I'm a good person. My track record has proven that I'm not a good person. I'm here because I'm a sinner. But I trust in God's promises. And he's given me his word here that he will cleanse me. And so part of that resolution is, am I going to try to understand my sin and why I'm that way? Yes. Am I going to uh, fight against it and study God's word and I'm going to confess more? Yes. Am I gonna, is it going to happen again? Yes. But God has promised me that he's going to cleanse me, and so I'm going to make a resolution based on the promise that he's promised to change me. So the first thing, the first way that confession changes us is because God promises that this is the means. The means to you being changed is not trying harder. The means is exposure. Make it known. Bring God's light into it. But the second thing is this, that we are changed through propitiation. We see that, this, uh, this great word here, starting in verse 1. Uh, my, ch- my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That great title for Jesus, the righteous one, the fullness of all goodness is in him. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, that word propitiation, a lot of people have read the Bible, you know, scholars and things have had a problem with that word in there, uh, halasmos, which uh, is the word a lot of times used in pagan religions, that uh, is the word where, you know, all these pagan gods, in the pagan religions, there were all these angry pagan gods who were demanding of people uh, bigger and bigger sacrifices to appease them of their anger. And so people had to keep bringing larger and larger sacrifices to try to appease these gods. And, uh, and so commentators said, is that what God's like? Is that the God of the Bible? This God who's so angry at our sin and uh, he, uh, he just demands more and more of us, uh, more and more bigger sacrifices from us in order for him to be appeased and to love us. God in the Bible is very different. What's different about him? Who brings the sacrifice that appeases God's anger? It's not us. God provides his own sacrifice. 
And should God be angry? Should God be angry that, that uh, you know, that we're critical, that we tear one another down, that we have sin in our life? Of course God should be angry at that. And yet he provides a sacrifice where Jesus pays for all of our sin and the wrath of God is placed on him. And so that we're, uh, we're set free and God embraces us. And now Jesus stands as an advocate for us. And he stands before God, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he speaks for us and talks to God on our behalf. And so that when I go to God and I lay all my faults before him I, and, and I walk into the light and all my warts are exposed before him, Jesus says, receive that sinner, love him, embrace him, Father. He's my brother. I've died for him. And so look at what confession does. That's how it changes me. Is because the reason I'm not going to be critical anymore is because, look, I laid my faults before God, and what did he do for me? When I, can, when I confessed, when I walked into the light, he embraced me, and he loved me. And that's what actually changes our hearts, is that God wasn't critical with me. God wasn't hard with me. And that propitiation, the gospel, actually changes us. And so through confession, we walk into the light of the gospel, and we experience it. Confession is so important for our spiritual community, for our individual spirituality. I want to invite you to ask those questions. What is hiding? What is hiding in you? What does no one know about? What are you afraid to walk into the light that you want to bolt the other way when the light exposes it? Listen, Jesus Christ the righteous is your advocate. He's standing with, before the Father on your behalf. He's paid for it all. And he says, walk into the light. Have the courage. I will forgive you. I will wash you. And your life, that's the key to our life changing. And so let me just encourage you, if you're here and you have things that are coming up and you say, yeah, I know what those are in my life, um, find someone to talk to. We're going to have elders uh, standing up here after the service. If you want to come and, and have me or one of them pray with you, we'd be happy to do that, or to talk with us or to get coffee. If you're in a home group, there may be someone in your home group that you've especially connected with, that you feel trust with. Talk to them. Say, I want to go have coffee with you. But confession. It's not try harder, it's walk into the light, and God invites you to do it. Let's pray together. Our Lord, your word is both inviting, and yet we confess that it's frightening. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, our advocate that through him we may walk into the light and that your light would shine in this community and that we would expose ourselves and that you would give us true community that we could confess our sins and then be Christ to one another and speak the gospel of forgiveness and grace to each other that we would be drawn into deep fellowship, into transparency, into realness. And so uh, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be the one to do that in this community now. We ask in Jesus' name.